0: Would you turn to Psalm 69? I'm going to read this psalm, and this psalm is quoted in 10 different places in the New Testament. And I think that gives us some idea of the significance of this psalm. Well, they're all significant. I probably shouldn't even say that. But um, this is just as much a psalm of the cross as psalm 22 is Uh, look in verse 21 before i read it they gave me also gall for my meat and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink which is speaking of the cross now let's read this psalm together Save me, O oh God, for the waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there's no standing. I'm come to deep waters where the floods overflow me. I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully or mighty, then I restored that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment. I became a proverb to them. They that sit at the gate speak against me. I was the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me, and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant. For I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of mine enemies. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Mine adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart. I'm full of heaviness. I look for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful, Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad. And your heart shall live that seek God. For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners, let the heaven and earth praise him, the sea, and everything that moveth therein. Four, God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah, that, he, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. We ask in Christ's name that we might be enabled to hear your voice. Lord, we ask in Christ's name that every one of us, for Christ's sake, for your grace's sake, for your mercy's sake, would be enabled to believe your gospel. Lord, we confess our sins. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for cleansing. We're so thankful that you remember our frame and that you know that we're dust how we thank you for the mercies that are in your son, how we thank you for who you are. Be with all your people wherever they meet together. We pray for our friends that are sick of our congregation. We pray for your healing hand upon them according to your will and that you bless it according to your will. Accept our thanksgiving. Lord, we're so grateful for your son. In his name we pray. probably saw, as I was reading that psalm, the very many different places where this is quoted in the New Testament. Um, This is David speaking, obviously, from great sorrow. He was experiencing something horrible at this time, obviously. But these are also the words of the Lord from the cross, as we saw from verse 21. And look what he says in verse 1. Save me, O God. For the waters are come into my soul. I think he's talking about the waters from the cup that he drank. The cup of the sins of the elect. The waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there's no standing. I'm coming to deep waters where the floods are. Overflow me. Yes, this is David. Yes, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking from the cross. He says, I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for God. Now, he never quit believing God at this time. But he said, mine eyes fail while I wait for God. They that hate me, verse 4, without a cause now we know that those words are spoken of the lord jesus christ in john 15 he quoted this they hated me without a cause they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head they that would destroy me being mine enemies wrongfully or mighty then i restored that which i took not away now this is a reference to when uh You steal something in the Bible, you restore it fourfold. He said, I never stole anything, and yet I'm restoring it. Verse 5, this is one of those just amazing verses. Oh, God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Now, that's with regard to me first in my own experience. You know my foolishness. And my sins. They're not hid from you. You see them. Every one. And there's a consciousness. All the time with us. About that. But this is the Lord. My. Sin so truly became his sin. My foolishness. So truly became his foolishness. That he confesses this. As his own. My foolishness. Not the foolishness Todd had that was imputed to me. My foolishness. My sin. Not Todd's sin imputed to me. My sin. That's the great mystery of godliness. That's the great mystery of how God can be just and justify the ungodly through what our Redeemer took upon himself. Verse 6. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I've borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. Now, you know what it is to dread the thought of bringing reproach on the name of Christ because of your conduct, don't you? That's something I don't want to bring any reproach on the gospel because of my attitude or my conduct. And that's a part of being a sinner, isn't it? You're aware of that, and you don't want to do it. Now, on the cross, the Lord experienced everything just like that except the commission of sin. That's so amazing. This is Christ speaking. He says, I don't want to bring—don't let anybody be ashamed for my sake. He felt the shame— and the reproach of our sins. They became his sin. Once again, I have to say this all the time. He never sinned. Even when he was made sin, he never sinned. But he experienced all this shame, all this dread of reproach. All of that came upon him. He said, I've borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. Now, you can only be ashamed for something that If you do something, I'm not personally ashamed. I might be feel horrible for you, but I'm not ashamed. The only thing I'm ashamed of is that which I have done. And the Lord says, shame hath covered my face. i am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. He was all alone on the cross for the zeal, verse 9, for the zeal of thine house, hath eaten me up. Now, that's quoted in John chapter 2 with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ when he made that whip to drive the people out of the temple. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And you know what? I want the zeal of his house to eat me up too, don't you? I want to be zealous for his glory. Well, the Lord was. The reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They made fun of me. They that sit in the gates, the leaders speak against me, and the people on the other end of the spectrum, uh, the drunkards. I was the song of the drunkards. They all made fun of me, the uppity-ups and the lowity-lows. I was hated by everybody. But as for me, my prayer, verse 13, is unto thee. Do you know the Lord never quit trusting his Father? At any time, even while he felt all of these things, he never quit trusting his Father. Don't you want to be that way? Always trust, no matter what takes place. Always trust. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. I love that uh, phrase, the truth of thy salvation. If there's anything that tells us the truth concerning the character of God, it's his salvation. Every attribute of God is magnified in his salvation. Verse 14 Deliver me out of the mire. What he was talking about in verses 1 and 2. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me delivered from them that hate me. And out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me. Neither let the deep swallow me up. And let not the pit shut her mouth on me. Now you can see David says this as far as him feeling forsaken. But these are preeminently the words of the Lord from the cross. Feeling the wrath of God coming down and overflowing. Him. Verse 16 Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Now you remember God had forsaken him. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And the words of my roaring, and even when he was forsaken, oh, how he thirsted after his father and said, Turn to me. He had nothing but silence, but he still cried, Turn to me. Turn to me. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant. His face, God's face was hidden. Now you, in some measure, there's times when you have felt that God's face was hidden from you, that he was withdrawing himself from you, but he wasn't he would christ had the full hiding of god's face to where he felt no light at all no favor from his father and he cries out hide not thy face from thy servant for i am in trouble hear me speedily draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it And deliver me because of mine enemies. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Now, look at yourself in light of that. My reproach, my shame, my dishonor. And we've brought all of that on ourselves. My sin is all my fault. I can't blame my circumstances. I'm no victim. Everything is my fault. And that's what the Lord is saying about himself. That's how truly he took my sin and my sorrow and made it his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Reproach, verse 20, hath broken my heart. And I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. You know, on the cross, he was alone. He didn't have the presence of angels at this time like he had in Gethsemane. He didn't have any sense of his father except being forsaken all of his people had forsaken him and fled he was alone truly he by himself purged our sins he had no help on any level from anybody he sought for some to help there was none For comforters, but I found none, verse 21, and you know this is from the cross. They gave me also gall for my meat. And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink in cruelty, wanting to make fun of him. And this was said of the cross. And like I said, this is preeminently, just as much as Psalm 22 is. This is a psalm of the cross. I repeat, everything here David experienced as far as what he felt. And I can't help but also think of Ephesians 5.31 when Paul is giving the instructions regarding marriage But he says there at the end of the chapter, I speak concerning Christ and the church. Yes, there's glorious stuff about marriage here, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christ in the church, and I think that can be very well said of Psalm 69. Now, in verse 22 he begins uh, a part of what is known as an imprecatory prayer. And that means a prayer where he's cursing people. And when David uh, cursed people, he cursed them. And this is an example. And you say, well, how would the Lord pray something like this? You know, we don't have, because of our Flesh, our sinfulness. We don't have the perspective we will one of these days. Uh, I couldn't rejoice right now seeing anybody sent to hell. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I can't rejoice in anybody's sight. I want the Lord to show mercy. But you say, why but? But I can't see things as they really should be. Seeing. And when I have a glorified spirit, when God sends somebody to hell, I'll be say I'll be righteous judgment. Now I can't I can't understand that now. I, I just can't. But I know one of these days I will, and we're going to see things from the Lord's perspective, and we're going to see things sin as it is. And in this time, you know, Christ is praying against his enemies. Now remember when he said in John seventeen nine, "I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me." That's clear enough, isn't it? Um, if God be for us, who can be against us? And it's also true, if God be against us, who can be for us? Now, this is the Lord's, what they call, imprecatory prayer. But listen to what he says. This is actually quoted in Romans chapter 11. Let their table, that which should have been for their benefit, become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it be a trap that they're entrapped in. Let their eyes be darkened, that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake in terror, is what he's speaking of. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate. And let none dwell in their tents, for they persecute him whom thou hast smitten. Now the Lord speaking of himself, remember that scripture? Awake, O sword, smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. It was the Lord who smote him. And those people who find no interest in what he's doing, who just make fun of him, who hate what he's doing, who hate him, and that's what the natural man is. He's someone who hates the Lord Jesus Christ and hates his salvation. This is how he prays against those people, and just and right is he. Somebody says that's wrong for him to pray that way. Well, you take that up with him. Whatever he does is right. Whatever he does is altogether holy, righteous, and true. And here we have him praying against those people who are against him and find no no joy in this message of the cross find no peace in this message of the cross he prays against them he goes on to say in verse 27 add iniquity unto their iniquity and let them not come into thy righteousness now he knows at this time the only way somebody's going to be saved if they come into god's righteousness christ's righteousness he says let not this be with regard to them. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Don't let them be in that group. Now this is the Lord praying against those who do not believe the gospel. Now the Lord said to Peter you're going to deny me three times but I pray for you. Can you, uh, if the Lord Jesus Christ prays for you, is anything else needed? If he prays for you, what a blessed thing to think of the Lord praying for me when he said, Father, forgive them. Are you talking about me? This was not a generic prayer. Father, forgive me. No, the Lord never prayed. Father, forgive anyone who the Lord did, who the Father didn't forgive when he prayed. He prayed for these people. What grace? What mercy? What kindness? And these people, he also prayed against. Now, if you um, look at that in any other light, I don't. You know, if David was just praying that at a, uh, I want these people to be damned. No, this is this is not even David at this time, and it wouldn't be right for any of us. We can't enter into that. But this is the Lord praying. Now look what he says in verse twenty-nine. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let Thy salvation, O God, set me on high. And His salvation did set him on high at the right hand of God seated in absolute majestic splendor and all of his people in him. Now he says in verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. Now this is him. Oh, this is David. This is David. And you know, there's, there's not a time When we have, I don't care what's going on when we shouldn't be praising God with a song. Whatever's happening, he's doing it. He's in control of it. It's best. It's done by him who's too wise to err and too kind to be cruel. Everything he does is glorious and we have every reason to praise him with a song. David does this. But this is the Lord, even when he was forsaken, perfectly believing his Father. Now, this is why we're saved by the faith of Christ. (laughs) Here's faith. You and I don't really know anything about this. He believed God, he praised God even when he was completely cut off. He never quit believing. Let something happen bad to me and you, what do we do? He didn't. He never quit believing his father. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. In everything give thanks. Now this is for us. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, whatever it is. It's God's will concerning you. Thank him for it. But this is the Lord giving thanks to his father even when he was in utter and complete darkness because he never quit believing God. Now, somebody, somebody had to believe God perfectly. He did. Truly, we're saved by his faith, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this also, verse 31, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hoofs, God doesn't get any satisfaction in the death of an animal. It's what that points to. It all points to this, what the Lord is experiencing on Calvary's tree. The humble shall see this. Here's the only ones who see. The humble, the lowly, the meek, the poor. The humble shall see this and be glad. And your heart shall live that seek God. For the Lord... Heareth the poor, those who have nothing to commend them to God. The Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. Now, don't miss that. You, the only person in the world that understands what it is to be imprisoned by sin is a believer. An unbeliever has no concept of this. They think somehow if the circumstances are right somehow I can make it better. They have no concept of being in jail and unable to get out. Paul put it this way in Romans 4 or 7:14 for we know that the law is spiritual. Only a believer knows this. An unbeliever is a stranger to this. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, I, I, I make no apology for that language. Why should I? This is the experience of the believer. and Really, this is the experience of a healthy, mature believer. Not a. This is a, he helps the prisoners. That's, that's who he hears, the prisoners. Verse 34. Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moveth. Therein, Because the Lord hears the poor and despises not his prisoners. For God will save Zion. Zion's the church. This is who he saves. He saves Zion. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it. Zion. For God will save Zion. And will build the cities of Jerusalem. Judah, that they may dwell therein and have it in possession, that this will be their possession. It'll belong to them. What I thought about is Revelation nineteen eight, when it talks about the fine linen, clean and white. This is the righteousness of the saints. It's theirs. It's their possession. You see, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is my possession. It's my personal righteousness. And this is what he's speaking of here. Verse 36, the seed All of God's elect. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it. It shall be given them. And they that love his name shall dwell therein in Zion. And this would describe every believer. We love his name. We love his attributes. We love his sovereignty. We love his holiness. We love his justice. We love his omnipotence. We love his wisdom. We love who he is. We love his name. And we will dwell in Zion. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. The citizen the, the city of every heavenly citizen.